Terry, you said you wanted that in your hotel room. You've got it. Yeah, I'm going to start crying again here. Have you been crying all after that? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I can't believe it. I've played for England. Uh, I can't talk to you, mate. Oh, come on, come on. Come Honestly, on. I've played for England. It's a very emotional uh, moment for you. Be the best day of my life. Fantastic. Yeah. Three peeps in the podcast. Universally loved by the entire football world, the outpouring from every club about the passing of Terry Cooper has been staggering. Terry Cooper was the manager when I first started following the football club back in sort of 86. So it's been really emotional last night and this morning, the outpouring from, from fans of Bristol City and uh, the WhatsApp group that, that I've got with, with fellow Bristol City fans. Um, so I wanted to get a few people together and for them to give their thoughts on Terry Cooper. Okay, so as I said, we've got a number of fans that want to give their own personal tributes and thoughts and memories of Terry Cooper. So first of all, I'm joined by Nigel Whittle. Nigel, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Patch, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. So yes, last night we were given that that awful news. Um, and your thoughts and memories? Yeah, such a shame, isn't it? And um, and you can see, I think, just from what's been posted on Twitter uh, last night and this morning, just how much... Terry was was thought of sort of locally and uh, and nationally as well because obviously Terry uh, played for some big clubs before he joined uh, Bristol City and Bristol Rovers. So I think just generally, I think probably everyone's most favourite memory of Terry is that he was just a lovely chap, wasn't he? He, he you know he, he, everything he said and everything he did, you, you sense that he, he felt it and um, and he was really part of the community. So yeah, really sad this morning. Yeah, we played that. Um, I started out with the clip um, from YouTube of his his speech, his interview after that uh, that Wembley win, and I don't think you'll hear many managers talking like that in uh, in these times. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fans of our generation, Patch. I mean, that was the that was the start of the beginning, wasn't it? After the dark days of of the late seventies and early eighties. And um, I think that Wembley visit back in 86, I mean, as, as, as you posted the, the video, you, you really sensed how much it meant to him. Um, and his reference to the fans, he kept pointing behind at the empty Wembley stands and he referenced the fans on two or three occasions. And you just sensed that he did it. He, he knew how important it was for Bristol City and for the fans at the time and for what we'd been through to take over 30,000 on that day to Wembley. I think it just showed the passion and the intent of, of our fan base. And um, I think Terry picked up on that and he, he knew exactly what was what was going on. And uh, yeah, it was lovely to watch it again. And it did bring a few tears to the eyes when I watched that last night, I must admit. Absolutely. And uh, for younger fans uh, that, that are listening, obviously we've got quite a wide a wide listener base. Um, just to say, tell, the, tell them how important he was for Bristol City. Yeah, he, he was huge because, I mean, I, I guess for myself, I mean, I was born in 71. So um, I would start going to watch Bristol City and the William Stand, the old William Stand with my dad from the age of four. I remember the, the flask and the sandwiches and the foil <laughs> wrap and the um, the blanket to keep us warm. So, you know, they were my early memories. And um, obviously, I can't remember too much about the football. I won't claim to remember the football because I was too young. Uh, but we obviously had our spell in the first division and then we had the dark days, as we mentioned. We um, People will be familiar with the Ashton Gate 8. And I guess this was all around uh, sort of the late 70s, early 80s. And I think 82 was obviously when the club were reformed. And that was when Terry came in, I think. And I think he was with us from 82 
to probably about 87, 88, I, I, would, I would guess. Um, and for those six years, as I said earlier, that was the start of the rebuild, I guess. And what Terry did was he kind of came in and he, and he, and he stabilised the club. I think we had a couple of seasons, I think, did we, where before we got promotion, I'm sure we, we, we stabilised for a while, I think, in Division 4. Um, and then Terry took us up to Division 3. And then we had the two Wembley visits in 86 and 87 before uh, before his assistant, Joe Jordan, I think, took over then for, for a while and uh, before he left for Hearts. So what it, what it means for me as a fan is that he, he kind of, it was the start of the rebuild and, and it gave our club back because having gone through, I think, the first club, I might be wrong, I'm sure we were the first club in history to be relegated from the first to the fourth. We might have been, I think Wolves may have done it. I don't know if they did it before or after us. But we were relegated from Division 1 to Division 4 in consecutive seasons. So you can imagine how dark those days were. Um, so what Terry did was, he, as I said, he, he gave us our club back, I think, as part of them. He was a director as well at the time. And uh, he, he probably, for the younger fans, we probably wouldn't be here today, I don't think, if, um, if it wasn't for his contribution. So a huge contribution and a lovely chap. And for me as a, a young lad growing up, it was the club I followed. It was the club that I travelled across the country as, as, a, as, a, as a young lad. And um, as I said, I don't think we would have what we have today if it wasn't for his contribution. So huge. Great. Thanks so much, Nigel, for, for giving your thoughts and memories. Um, and we'll be speaking again to you throughout the season. So uh, again, thanks for all your contributions in the past and going forward. Take care. No, thanks, Patch. All the best. Cheers, mate. Okay, we've got uh, a number of people that want to give their thoughts. So next up is Neil Palmer. Neil's been on the podcast before um, when he came on to talk about his book um, about Jerry Guy, the Jerry Guy story. Uh, Neil, how are you, sir? You have to come off mute. <laughs> right, that's a good start, isn't it? Yeah. I've had, right. I've had no better, worries. I've had better Sundays, yeah, put it that way. Absolutely. Sunday mornings, yeah. So as someone who um, is clearly passionate about, about Bristol City and about football um, and a man who's written written books about football as well, give us your thoughts and memories um, on, on the man, Terry Cooper. Well, I think Nigel hit the nail on the head, to be honest, with, with an awful lot of stuff. As, as football clubs grow and football clubs carry on, there are pivotal people that you will remember through the eras. And it's been wonderful that people do remember Terry Cooper for what he did for the football club. Um, the fact that he ended, he, he came into the job in 82 with nothing. The club were on their backside and they were at the bottom. Um, although he played for us only sort of, I think he played in 80, 1980, something like that, for a couple of games. But he came back to the club as manager and it was literally a case of, our, I, I've spoken to Terry, I spoke, I, I've, I've spoke to Terry um numerous times about this sort of time in his career he he said it was him and it was people like Mike Gibson there were literally a handful of staff and when you look at the staff now and and that's what it meant so much to him the Wembley final I can't tell you it I can't tell you enough about that Wembley final to walk out there as a Bristol City supporter and see 45,000 fans and think where on earth have these come from because <laughs> When we played that game against Bolton, it was a game where we were at Wembley. He took us to Wembley. And I know it doesn't have that same kudos as as, as it had back then. But it was um, unbelievable. Bristol City were at Wembley. And no, you only ever got to Wembley if you're in the cup final. 
or, or in a cup final for a club. And it was it was massive. And when you look, stood there and looked out at all these these city fans, it was just you just thought, wow, what this what this club could possibly do. Um, but as I say, he, he was a massive part of this massive part of this club, and. I can imagine people like Andy Llewellyn and I can imagine people like Rob Newman are in a, a right old state at the moment because I've shared some fabulous discussions with them about what he was like as a manager with them. Andy Llewellyn always used to say, you know, Terry, because Andy's Andy's position was fullback, he would work with him in the car park at Ashton Gate, constantly hitting balls against the, the big old red doors that used to be there. Um, and... I know they'll be in a terrible state this, this this morning, and it was quite interesting. That'll they'll tell you something about Terry. I interviewed, I say, I interviewed him once, and he told me, and I said about the time when he was coming to the end of his his time at Bristol City as a manager, and Joe Jordan had come to the club, and Joe was a massive big part of of, of everything, big personality, and Terry said, I knew he would be the next manager. And I knew I know what football's about, and I knew I wasn't going to stay. But the club were bigger than me, and the club were bigger than Joe. So all I tried to do was teach Joe as much as I possibly could, and give him as much information and knowledge about the game, because I knew one day he would have my job. And I thought there's not many managers who would have done that, who, who would have worked with somebody that at some point they knew were going to take over his job. And obviously that's what happened. At the end of the video, um, the, the the interview, he says that uh, the club will have more than enough money for him to do what he needs to do next season. And you seem more concerned with City still being at Ashton Gate in 50 years' time. So, yeah, you're not going to hear that very often, are you? No, no not at all. He, he absolutely loved the club. I mean, we don't forget, you know, I think people do forget when they see the old Gordon Banks save back from the clip from the 1970s as Jarzino goes past him. And I asked him about that because I was a little kid. I remember watching that and he said, I never even saw him, to be honest. But you forget <laughs> what a player he was. And he was an attacking fullback, attacking left back that, you know, he'd have been all right in the modern game. He really, he really would have. He, you know, he was a great footballer. I know Rovers have got affection for him. We've got affection for him. But he was a great footballer. He was a fantastic fullback. He really was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, so I've turned 40 this year and I <clears throat> I only know him as the manager of Bristol City. So I I didn't even appreciate that he played 20 games for England. So, you know, Jeff Stellins posted on Twitter. There's people all across the football community. Um, it's actually trending at the moment on Twitter and, and ac across mm. the UK. So, yeah, a complete outpouring of emotion from people. I had a text um, from Alan Walsh this morning. Um, mm. basically saying that Terry has left us with a lot of very special and wonderful memories. Um, yeah. So, you know, and you mentioned Rob Newman. He's he's retweeted uh, um, someone's someone's message this morning. And I'm sure, you know, that that team, um, you know, from that Wembley 86 uh, are all feeling it uh, this morning. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad day, but I think we need to remember him. And I'm, I'm hopeful and confident that the club will do something on Saturday uh, to recognise the impact he had on Bristol City. Absolutely. Absolutely. And well said. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. Very true indeed. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Neil. Um, we'll have you Thank obviously you. back throughout the season as well to, to comment on, on how the season is going. But uh, for now, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Take care. Cheers.
Okay, um, another regular contributor to the podcast, Dr. Dean Allen out in South Africa has dialed in. So, uh, Dean, welcome. Thanks, Patch. Nice to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dean, uh, as a as a Bristol City fan of of many many years, your your thoughts and, and memories of, of Terry. Yeah, it was uh, interesting he- hearing Nigel and Neil speak. I mean, very much uh, my thoughts are very similar. Um, there's a lot of emotion in football, of course, when you know legends pass on. But I feel that this is really genuine this morning. Um, for me, Terry Cooper was my first real manager that I can really remember. I was born in 71, I think, like Nigel. Uh, Dad took me along um, sitting in the Dolman stand in the first division day. But unfortunately for me, I was a bit too young to appreciate the, the heights that we were at. By the time that I started really getting into the club and supporting them myself and driving around the country, it was, uh, it was Terry Cooper who was the manager. And as the lad said, he was the man really that brought us back from the dark days. But more so than that, he had a real affection for the club and for the fans. Um, the kind of players that I remember, you know, my hero, Steve Neville, Glyn Riley, Alan Walsh, Howard Pritchard. I mean, these these sort of these are the players that really made me fall in love with uh, Bristol City. But I think it was the, the family nature of the club at that time. Um, and Terry Cooper really instilled that. Um, I know I've mentioned it a few of you guys, but my favourite memory really was was as a kid, uh, and I treasure this. As soon as soon as I heard the news last night, it, it brought it back. Um, I think I was about eleven or twelve, and you know, you know, as a young kid, you kind of idolise these people. I, I I wrote to Terry Cooper. I think it was probably the eighty three season. We'd stayed up, which was unusual, and uh, I wrote to him and I just said, "Well done on a on a, on a successful season. It was better than expected." Do you know that four days later, I received a handwritten letter back, literally four days later, from Terry Cooper saying, Dear Dean, thank you so much for your kind letter. I also think we did better than expected this season. Keep up the support. All the best, Terry Cooper. He'd even written my address on the on the, on the the envelope. So, I mean, for somebody to take the time to do that was a measure of the man, I think. I think um, it would say it would take it would take some some managers some some clubs more than four days to reply to an email, let alone a, a written letter. That is incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we look at it now. I mean, you guys are doing such great work with the club, and you're you're you know bridging the gap between between the fans and the club. You know, the podcast that we're all involved in. But I think to do that, to take the time. I mean, I probably wasn't the only you know youngster that did that. But it just it it actually made me fall in love with the club even more. But now looking back as a man, and I can see the tributes that are that are being posted on social media. Um, yeah, he did came, come from a from an age of football, the you know the seventies and eighties. It was very much different. But you can see he had a genuine affection for the club. I mean, we've all watched that wonderful video from eighty six. I was there with my dad, um, as Neil just said. It was an amazing day to see Bristol City at Wembley, um, and to see what it meant to the likes of Terry Cooper when he said this. I think he said in the video, "This is the greatest day of my life. I've played for England, etc." That really, you don't hear those kind of, uh, you know, those kind of sentiments in modern football. And he meant it, of course. So, yeah, for me, it's a it's a real it's a real sad day, but it's also a day to celebrate, you know, what our club has achieved, um, come together as fans and celebrate the life of, of, you know, I didn't know him personally, of course, but what sounds to be a great man who was respected in football. Yeah, as you say, you know, not speaking for everybody, but not not many of us knew him personally, but it's hard not to like the man, you know, it's, um, 
as I say, I only knew him as a manager and some of the interviews that you give after games. Um, and that's great that they're now available for us to watch on YouTube and, and, and reminisce. But, uh, you know, looking back, even so as a player, that, that, that image they use of him, you know, with the moustache and the long hair doesn't even look like him, does it? <laughs> no. No, I must, I must admit, I can't remember him playing, of course. I mean, I remember his association with Rovers as well. And uh, he clearly fell in love with the city, which, 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 is, which is good. He had his heart here in Bristol being a Yorkshireman. Um, but no, I mean, my dad watched him a few times. So I think, uh, you know, his, his, his better days were past when he came to Bristol, you know. But to, to think that he played in that England side against Brazil, I mean, much respect. And to come to come to Bristol City when we were down down on our you know down on our knees, we were trying to rebuild. He literally didn't have, I'm sure, many coaching staff behind him, and to work with those young players as he did. Um, and I think that's what really what gave '86 such meaning to him to to have come come with the club to watch you know 40 odd thousand Bristolians. Now he realised that this club was on the up. And I think Neil made a great point about the succession as well. Joe Jordan came in. We we're all excited. I remember that this big name and and sort of Terry stood aside um but he stood aside with pride and we realized what a great job he did i remember being really kind of upset that he had done so but he knew that joe jordan was going to take us to the next level and recently i think as fans we were talking about great managers of the modern era you've obviously got to mention alan dix gary johnson um you know and uh, steve cottrell but you know we often forget terry cooper and he's got to be up there as one of them because of the job that he did at the time i remember the saying it was support bristol city club now or never you know, I'm even, I remember putting my own pocket money into the fund to keep the club afloat. And this man came along and was really the right man at the time to take us forward, which he did. And I think we've got to be grateful for that. And I'm really hoping, you know, we're a big modern football club now, but I'm really hoping on Saturday or whenever the time is right, they, they pay the appropriate tribute to him because he really is one of the reasons why we're still here. Absolutely. You mentioned the outpouring on social media. I'm just going to read um, a couple of those. So Bristol Rovers, the football club is saddened to hear of the passing of former player and manager Terry Cooper. Our thoughts are with Terry and his friends and family at this difficult time. England as well posted, we're deeply saddened to learn of the passing of Terry Cooper at the age of 77. Cooper won 20 caps for the three lines between 1969 and 1974. All our thoughts with Terry's family friends and former clubs um, and then Leeds United as well it's devastated to learn of the passing of Terry Cooper our thoughts with Terry's family and friends at this difficult time so you know when you get a tweet from England Leeds Bristol Rovers Bristol City um, etc it's uh, it, it's a, such an impact he had on football across across the country well of course it just shows you that, that he did leave an impact on all those different clubs and of course on his country um, and so for me it, like I said it's the mark of the man and uh, I know, uh, you know, it's the, the legacy of football lives on through Mark, his son, who also was connected to Bristol City. So that's nice to know. So I'm looking forward to, to you know, to seeing what the club does and to, and to celebrate his life in the weeks to come, which I think is the most important thing. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Dean, for dialing in. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be obviously speaking to you throughout the season. Take care. Pleasure. Chat soon. Hello, pal. Thanks for that this morning. I thought that was a really nice thing to do. The one thing I forgot to mention, and I don't know if anybody has mentioned it in the show, but you might want to add it, is uh, 
if you remember in 1987, um, Terry Cooper actually let Clive Middlemass lead out the team at Wembley, which I thought was an amazing thing to do. Clive Middlemass was his uh, assistant, I believe, at the time. And I remember it was quite a gesture to let him walk out in front of the team. I thought that, again, shows the measure of the man. I thought that uh, might be nice to mention. Thanks, Dean, for the follow-up message there. Um, another message I just want to read out is from Steve Coates, who unfortunately couldn't make the call this morning. Terribly sad news. Terry Cooper dragged City up from the gutter after 1982 and gave us all hope again culminating that brilliant day at Wembley in 86 when do you ever see managers get emotional after winning a trophy like he did in this interview which just shows what it meant to him rest in peace Terry Cooper okay so now I've got my regular uh, bonus show co-host Matt Withers with me to uh, to give his thoughts his memories on Terry Cooper Matt how are you sir yeah good thank you patch yeah so your thoughts yeah very sad um it, I guess Terry Cooper was was probably my first real Bristol City manager that I can kind of actually remember as the manager and, uh, you know, kind of interacting with him. Um, I was, you know, a fan in the first division days with Alan Dix, and I remember Alan Dix um, and obviously the likes of Bob Houghton and stuff. But Terry Cooper, I was kind of 12 when he joined, 11, 12. So it was my kind of really formative Bristol City years. And... Just remember him being a, a total gentleman in, and the, the Yorkshire accent when he was being interviewed, um, and I'm sure it's already has been mentioned and certainly on our, our WhatsApp group, um, the video after the Freight Rover Trophy win um, and seeing the emotion for him. And when you're talking about an England international who's played at World Cups and played for an absolutely massive Leeds United team, which you know you can't understate just how big and how good a team that, that Leeds United team were... To hear him then talk about my football club and how it was the most emotional he'd felt um, and his proudest moment, you know, br- brings it everything into perspective about the, the man that he was. Um, and you you hear the sort of the funny stories around um, him and his assistant, Clive Middlemass, doing everything that they did down the, 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 the ground, um, including moving Adam Walsh. Um, when they signed him for an absolute steal from his, his home in Darlington, uh, again, shows the measure of the man and, and not something that modern football fans would expect. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a sad, sad day. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got the, the utmost respect for Terry Cooper. He he breathed life back into my football club um, and, and ironically sort of came in um, and it's a, a question I have to ask Richard Latham. I don't know whether it was Des Williams or, or Les Q that were chairman at the time, but you know it was probably somewhat of a gamble. Although we we we'd kind of fallen so far from grace that we there probably weren't many gambles left. But the fact that he'd been at Bristol Rovers um, and hadn't, by his own admission, been a success, in, and I think. Um, I've seen a quote from where he sort of says he, he really mucked it up there. <laughs> so it was a, a bit of a gamble, Agent Cooper, even in those days. Look, <laughs> it was a bit of a gamble kind of bringing him, him in. Um, and, you know, again, it didn't start well. We we were bottom of the, the fourth division as it was then. Mm. And then he sort of turned things around. I remember being, um, I think we were coming back from Weymouth when we got promotion, um, having beaten Chester away. Um and then obviously the, the Freight Rover games, um, sadly, I'd got a job as a Saturday boy and couldn't work, uh, sorry, couldn't get time off work for the first one. 
Um, so I missed the uh, the victory against Bolton, um, but obviously watched it and listened to it on the radio. And, and we've yeah, all just, got the just, tape. We've all got exactly, the tape. and and everybody did, didn't they? And and you know, I've still got. I think I've still got my um, my yellow um, bobble hat. Not that it was a bobble on it, but from from those days and stuff. And it, and it was, as I say, it was my my formative memories really, where I was really really seriously into following the club, um, and. It's testament to, to the man, Patch, when you don't hear a bad word about him and everybody um, from all of his clubs are completely devastated. And, you know, also got to mention um, his Southwest links to, to Exeter City, where he did an absolutely unbelievable job and is regarded probably more as a legend there than, than he is at our club. Um, but yeah, just a, just a very, and, and I know he's, he's suffered with ill health over the last few years and um, moved to, to Tenerife and stuff, but um, yeah, it's. I really, really hope. I really hope that the club do something um, in tribute for him. Um, you know, and I appreciate we've had lots of ex-players and, and managers and fans who pass, but but Terry Cooper was very special, um, and I think what he did for the club is is deserving of a a tribute in some way. Well, it's it's going to be an emotional time for yeah. everyone, regardless. You know, on on Saturday, uh, first league game back since March. Uh, against Fulham and that was an emotional day in itself the 125 years but this is just gonna this is this is something that needs to be recognized as well so yeah. you know I'm sure I'm sure there will be there will be um, you know tributes uh, from from it, the club and from fans on the day it's something um, you know I'm not I'm not breaking any confidences here but it's something that we'd spoke to Dave Barton about when we went to the high performance center um, and and to be fair, Dave Dave opened that conversation with us as well. But around um, you know f- fans passing and, and things like that, because uh, I remember being at Stoke City a few seasons back on a it was either a Boxing Day or a New Year's Day. I think it was a Boxing Day game, um, and they they do this huge tribute for their fans, um, and they have sort of pictures that come up, and and it and it is obviously very somber, and and but it's life. And so, you know, to to recognise that and celebrate um, that in in that small way, I think is is, you know, I was really touched by it, and, and so much so that I'd, I'd mentioned that to Dave. So, um, you know, I, I like to think the club will will start to do something like that, especially after the times we've we've all experienced in the last eighteen months. And um, I don't know about you, Patch. I mean, I I was emotional yesterday, sort yeah. of going back in there, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to obviously go go to the ground. Um, during the pandemic um, and watch a game, but it's not, it wasn't the same, you know, oh, we got God, told, no. off, told off for celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to actually be there yesterday, that was, um, you know, one element, but I think next week with, you know, hopefully, hopefully the majority of fans returning and I understand why some, some won't be at the moment because obviously it's still very, um, you know, very, we're still very much in this pandemic, but uh, yeah, it was very emotional. And, and for me next week, I think it's a, a fitting time to do something around that, but also especially about Terry Cooper. Yeah. You mentioned some of the, obviously we, we started this podcast with uh, an extract from that interview um, mm. after the 86 win and the sense of humor and the smiles, obviously I know he just won, won the trophy, but yeah. that's something that was, you know, continued with him throughout his managerial reign at Bristol city and, and beyond. Um, and, and you don't see that sort of sense of home, joviality, serious when you need to be serious, that sort of, you know, those tweaking of emotions yeah. from, from many managers in these days, do you? 
No, you don't. And and it's it's funny. Um, we were having a conversation yesterday about managers and how the game's moved on so much. And and can you really have those kind of managers in the changing room that are, you know, the, the shouters, the swearers and stuff? But you, you can't. I mean, I was never privileged enough to be in that that arena, and, and I'm sure there probably will be tells. But you can't imagine Terry Cooper ever losing his rag. You can't imagine him shouting and screaming it at players, or um, you know, he just he he was just that typical funny Yorkshireman um, who just had a lovely way about him. And as I say, you know, I've, I've seen footage this morning of um, a reunion with him and Norman Hunter, oh, um, yeah. and seeing the smiles on their faces, but yeah, brought a tear to my eye. I don't don't mind admitting it. He's, you know, it was lovely to see. And yeah, I, I'm, you know. Again, I remember you know Mark Cooper playing for, for for City, and um, when you it's great when you read the stories around players, managers who have, have come to to Bristol and to, to Bristol City in particular, and just say what a fantastic place it is and a fantastic club that it is. Um, and yeah, he, he was just a, a really really nice guy, wasn't he? I mean, I, I didn't get to meet him um, and have a one on one conversation with him, but. Um, you know everything that you read and, and see about the man says speaks volumes for him doesn't it yeah and that okay. clip is just so special I think um, yeah absolutely be- because as he says you know it, it's what he did it's what he achieved he he literally had no players and had to bring them in he, you know he brought Tom Ritchie back to the club in um, Howard Pritchard I think in to see that group of players that he developed win a trophy at Wembley for the first time for the club is mm. is history isn't it yeah Cool. Okay. Um. So our usual halftime summarizer, Rob, has has um, been in touch. Can't make it onto the show this morning, but um, he sent me an extract from Wembley Wonders by Richard Latham, who is actually going to be joining us shortly. We hope. Um. So I'm just going to read that out. So this is written by Rob Blamey from Nelsey. Ever since City's remarkable turnaround in the two-legged Southern final against Hereford, I had been in dreamland, excitedly waiting for the big day out at Wembley to come. Not until recently uh, introduced Freight River Trophy had I even dared to dream that one day I would see my hero stepping out onto the hallowed turf. As I grew up, the stadium bore witness to greats such as Trevor Brooking, Ian Rush and Ricky Villa. Now it was the turn of Alan Walsh, Howard Pritchard, Glyn Riley and co. I had to pinch myself. I remember walking up Wembley Way as a 12-year-old to see the iconic stadium in person for the first time, getting inside to see half of it full with Bristol City fans and being blown away by both. As the players filed out of the famous tunnel, I recall feeling of immense pride that welled up inside me. While the first half was a cagey affair that saw City take a slender lead, a second and a second half saw us turn the screw with some champagne football to run out comfortable 3-0 winners. Watching City ascend the steps to the Royal Box and hoist the trophy aloft was a moment that I'll never forget. But then, to top everything off, having hung around after the game, I got to have a picture with my heroes, man of the match Steve Neville, captain Bobby Hutchison, and the icing on the cake was manager Terry Cooper. Wow, what a day. And Rob sends, obviously, his condolences as well to the friends and family. But great account there, Matt. Brilliant. I've got goosebumps, Patch, because um, <laughs> it, it, it yeah, made me realise. And, and I think, it's, as, as Rob said there, he's talking about my heroes as well. Steve Neville, Glyn Riley was probably my first... After Jerry Gay, maybe, but I was young then and I knew Jerry Gay, but but Glyn Riley was the first player that I really was, you know, the number that I wanted on the shirt and stuff. Um, mm. And yeah, what, you know, ma- magical times. Um, 
And I think most most Bristol City fans of certainly my age, and uh, Rob must be fairly close to that, I would guess, um, can probably remember that side, you know, man for man almost, because it was just such a special, special team. Um, you talked about the camaraderie and stuff, and yeah, just just lovely, lovely memories, isn't it? Okay, so yeah, we just read out that extract from uh, Wembley Wonders, uh, the account from Rob Blamey, a regular, regular contributor to the show. And I'm pleased to say we've got Richard Latham on the line now from Taunton. I think you're covering the game at the, the cricket ground today, aren't you? Yes, I'm at Somerset re Yorkshire today in the Royal London Cup. It's a bit damp here, to say the least, but we're hopefully getting some play later. Brilliant. So, Richard, uh, obviously that that book, Wembley Wonders, and we've seen pictures on Twitter of you with with the with the Wembley team at the sports bar, and um, just your thoughts and, and memories and initial reaction to the passing of Terry Cooper. Devastated. I was uh, when I heard. I mean, Terry's had illness, but I think for about seven years he had been battling bowel cancer, and uh, so it seems to be getting better. And then he'd have a setback, and then he'd get better again. So it was a shock when I heard. Um, Seventy-seven. I think he, he lived to, and but uh, it's almost a bit like saying it's, it's almost a cliche, but the world would be a poorer place without him because he had a fantastic sense of humour. Wonderful footballer. Let's say first as a player, he was in, obviously in the England team in 1970. Many thought was the best England team ever, although Terry always referred to that. He said he, he thought the 66 team was the best, but um, he played um, in that in that wonderful game against Brazil uh, when England lost 1-0 and might have drawn if Jeff Astle had took away a chance at the end. And everybody thought that was going to be the final that year, the two best teams. And uh, unfortunately, we lost to West Germany, having been 2-0 up uh, in, I think, the quarter-final. So, um, and Terry played in that as well. So, wonderful footballer, brilliant attacking fullback. And uh, he, he always said to me, if, if wing-backs had existed when he played, then he would have been even better because that, would have suited, that role would have suited him down to the ground. So, first thing to say, he was a wonderful footballer. Obviously, played for Bristol City and Bristol Rovers. Uh, and managed both as well. And managed Rovers first, not very successfully, as he always admitted. that He was very inexperienced when he went there as player-manager. But then, 1982, uh, I, I just started covering uh, City around that time fully. I'd covered them before, but, but not um, full-time. And uh, the club, it's, it's hard for people to realise that how penniless the club was. And I, you know, when you look at Ashton Gate today, you go down to Ashton Gate in those days, and maybe there'd be five or six people working there. Mm. You know, the receptionist, and well, you know, the club literally had no money at all, and no money for Terry to spend on players. And uh, first season by December, I used to travel with them on the team coach. We travelled back from Rochdale, and they were ninety seconds in the football league. Andy Llewellyn made his debut that day. And uh, bottom of the entire football league, so it was a, oh, only could go up from there. Uh, that season, they finished 14th, turned things around a bit. Terry made some wonderful free signings, like the Glyn Riley and Alan Crawford and um, Howard Pritchard, and, and and later Alan Walsh uh, for 18,000 pounds, amazing signing. Keith Curl for a peanut, and he was just brilliant at, at uh, buying players. And when there's no money, I mean, he, he, he still pretended a lot of players into coming to Bristol City just by his character um, and uh, a lot of players later said to me that maybe some of the promises he made them didn't come true but but he got them there and, and he, he moulded a team it was a very happy dressing room and, and, and I felt very much part of it because I was travelling on the team coach and uh, promotion came the following season in fourth place in the uh, fourth division um, Terry always told the story of coming back from Chester where they got promotion and saw a banner saying um, in one of the cars saying Jesus said come forth and we did <laughs> and, uh, so he, 
he's anything like that, tickled him, and he'd, he'd have a, you know, a, 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 a lovely giggle, Terry, and, and we shared many, many laughs. He was such a pleasure to deal with as a, as a, for a reporter. I used to ring him every morning uh, from the post uh, office, and, and um, you know, we, we were in giggles most of the time. We had to, I had to get a story out for about 10 o'clock, but often I was on the phone for about five minutes, and a lot of it was laughter because he was such a funny guy. <laughs> Um, and really, just his personality is what I should remember most. As I say, he's a great raconteur, told some wonderful stories, like, um, you know, and, and the way he told them with his accent and, and, and the giggle that always followed. He used, to, he used to have me in stitches, and uh, it, 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 it's his personality I'll, I'll miss more than, more than anything. Yeah, we, we've had a number of fans saying exactly that. Going back to the fact that you travelled on the team coach, is that was that unusual for, for journalists at the time, or was it just something that you built that relationship? It, 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 it had happened before me, but it never happened after me. I, I, was, um, I left the post in 93, having taken over City in 82, and all the time, I, I, whoever was manager, I, tra- I travelled on the team coach. But very shortly after I finished, for some reason, it stopped. And I mean, it's, these days, reporters can, can hardly believe it because they, they hardly <laughs> deal with the managers at all anyway, or the players. It's, it's all media offices now and what's on the internet. Um, but yeah, I felt really, really part of it, and never more so than in 82 and 83 and 84 when the club had absolutely no money, had to reach out to the supporters. There was four supporters who paid to travel on the team coach. Uh, at least one season, and and uh, they actually you know paid this amount of money up because City wanted money from anywhere they could get. Mm. And so we let them come on the coach. They played our table, and uh, we used to play cards on the on the way to to uh, matches. And Terry was a sharp card player, and uh, there was a guy called uh, Colin Price who sadly died very young, who covered City for the Western Daily Press, and um, he was the worst card player I've ever seen. And Terry, he'd, he'd lay down a card, and Terry would nudge me and giggle, you know, because it's such a bad card <laughs> to play. And we had such fun like that. And then coming back, it will be cards again. And and win, win or lose, the, the atmosphere on the team coach was always good because Terry always said if they they've been hammered, the time to deal with it was next on the Monday morning, not on the way back on the coach. So he was never one to sulk after a defeat. Um, he, he really tried to make make the players forget it as quick as they could. And then you know he'd come down on the on, on a Monday and and and, and it could be a disciplinarian. But um, in, in most cases, all I remember with Terry is laughing. Yeah, you can't imagine a, much of a disciplinarian um, from from what we've seen of Terry Cooper. Yeah. He, he could, I'm told he could be fierce. Um, Keith Curl said, uh, what was Keith Curl's story? He said, he said that he, 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 he'd um, cost them a game one day or something by, by, by missing a header. And he said, um, he talked back to Terry after the game when Terry criticised the right next thing of a saucer and a cup flew past his head. <laughs> Smashed <laughs> on the wall, smashed on the wall behind him. So Terry could certainly have his moments, but uh, with me, I would say we, we we worked together for six years, and I would say we had two or three fallouts in those six years, and where I might have written something he wasn't quite happy with. But his, his basic rule of thumb when he was a city was, I want Bristol City stories to be in the top of the evening post back page, not Bristol Rovers. And so I could write whatever I liked virtually. And if we had a day when we didn't have much of a story, I'd ring Terry and say that we haven't got much. What can you think of? He said, "Oh." Say Luton Town have come in for me. I'm, I'm after a new contract with City, and they say there's other clubs after me, or whatever. You know, and we work out a story. <laughs> it wasn't totally truthful, but uh, we filled the filled the space for that day. So uh, it was an absolute dream from from a, from a reporter's point of view. You know, you can can wish for anybody anybody better. And, and we were close. He came to my wedding in 1983. Oh, wow. So we, we were friends from a very from a very 
very early on in the relationship. And you got back together um, recently at the sport, well, fairly recently at the sports bar with with that uh, team from '86. How how was that? How was that getting back together? Getting the getting the team back together? Was it like you know they never left? Yeah, I mean they were a wonderful team, and the response to that evening, I think they, there was only thirteen players involved actually uh, on, at Wembley in '86 because there were only two substitutes allowed. Course, there, yeah. there were one or two others um, who travelled with the team, but. Of the 13, 11 turned up on the night, and Steve Neville lives in Australia, so he, he had a good excuse for not coming. And Jim Riley pulled out on the day because of a, a family uh, problem. Um, but everybody else was there, and, and, and the great thing was Terry, Terry arrived, having travelled all the way from Tenerife to be there. Right. He rang me about three days before, and I said, look, we're having this book launch. Can you get some member of your family to come? And he said, yeah, I'm coming. And, and that was the first I knew he was coming. He got halfway across the room, which was packed. And so many people had stopped him. And by the time he got to me, and we had a sort of hug, and I, and he was in tears. And he said, but all these people remember almost all these years later. He couldn't believe it. And he was in tears on the, the day in 1986 when they won. Uh, and he was in tears at the reunion in 2018. So uh, I look back on that night with extremely fond memories. He, he was kind enough to inscribe one of the, my books to me. Um, with a lovely inscription about friendship, and, and uh, it almost brought me to tears. So well, you're, you're bringing us to tears now. I'm so glad we had that. You're bringing us to tears now, Richard. And if, uh, <laughs> if, yeah. if I can go on much more, to be honest, but um, I, I just um, you know, in in summary, obviously, it's uh, it's a sad day, but it's one that we need to re- you know we need to remember all the good times, and you you've done a great job of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, what. People who weren't around at the time should just, you know, if you read the history book, just realise how sorry a state this city were in when he became manager. July 1982, then they literally just, the previous February, they'd nearly gone out of business. Everyone was just glad to have a club to support, even though they were in the fourth division, had been relegated three seasons on the trot. You know, you can hardly imagine how, how few people worked at Ashton Gate, how small a budget Terry had. And uh, within four years, um, he'd got 30,000 Bristol City fans going to Wembley for, for a wonderful day out, and it was like the resurrection of the club. So nobody in Bristol City's history has done a more important job, in my view. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be an emotional day on, on Saturday, uh, home to Blackpool. I'm sure there will be um, you know, a, a tribute uh, to, to Terry Cooper. Are you going to be at the game? Yes, I, hope, I, I will be at the game working, and, and I very much hope you're right. Um, there's been a piece on the website I've seen already, uh, but I hope um, if I can contribute in any way, I will. And, and yes, hopefully on the day, City fans will get a chance to maybe do some applause or something because, uh, as I say, they owe him a great debt. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Richard. Have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so uh, thank you so much to, to Richard Latham for, for coming on and giving that great tribute, Matt. Amazing, isn't it? And, and, and obviously they were friends as well. Um, and, you know, I was putting in our chat that when he sort of said about the journalist, you know, as a journalist being able to travel on the coach, you can't imagine that now, can you? I can't, no. <laughs> I can't imagine Gregor sat next Gregor to Nigel. Gregor sat next anyway. to Nigel. <laughs> but I, I think that would make for a great goggle box. But do, do you know, though, it, it's one of those things that is, as fans, having a journalist that's that close to the club and kind of knows what's going on, is kind of great, but again, the world's moved on, hasn't it? And um, but what a story about you know putting a story ab- about Terry Cooper getting linked with Luton and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> just brilliant. But yeah, lo- lovely. And you know, I'll, I'll echo it again. But you know, when you when you've got someone like Richard, who, who's still obviously closely associated to the club um, with what he does from his from his journalistic 
side of things um you know offering to to be involved in some way I, I really 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 hope that the club do do something and more than just a kind of minutes applause beforehand just something you know a few photos that go up on the, the screen yeah, or sure just something because you know Richard said it at the end there didn't need it in, in our history very few have done as much um as, as Terry Cooper has done yeah okay well um hopefully you have um you know enjoyed listening to to fans enjoyed listening to to also a fan Richard Latham um and there's so many um tributes pouring in on on Twitter can't can't read them them all out but if you follow um follow us on Twitter at 3piapc I'm I'm trying my best to retweet as many as possible so um you know you won't you won't miss any um but yeah that's it for now thank you um so much uh for for listening we'll we'll be back later this week with a a, a bit of a, a pre-season wrap-up and a look forward um so listen in for that one but uh, for now thanks very much and we'll be back soon take care take care